Hello, you're listening to Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church. Stephen Pollock is the pastor of Free Presbyterian Church of Malvern, Pennsylvania. The church is located at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. Thank you for joining us today as Dr. Pollock opens the Word of God and lets the Bible speak. Well, please hear your Bibles and turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 uh, from the verse number 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, and you have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are all the children of light, and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet the hope of salvation. In verse number 6, you will see words that are in the form of an exhortation or an encouragement. Let us not sleep. They come yet with the force of a command. They have that sense of obligation, in essence saying, Don't sleep, believer. And so Paul is saying, and undoubtedly there are times when the people of God need to be roused from their potential slumbers. Uh, perhaps there are times when they are drifting off, not quite uh, dead asleep, but drifting off, and someone must come alongside and say, let us not sleep. It has that sense of a community. Let us stay awake together. And if you like, the church has the joy of living a, a corporate sleepover, not sleeping, but staying alert as they await the Lord's return, helping each other, encouraging each other, and seeking to do all we can not to sleep. For we are not of the night or of the darkness, but we are of the day. And this clearly, of course, is a figure of speech, using sleep as an image of the ungodly. They are those who are sleeping, they are those who are drunken, but we are not as such. We are not, again, the language verse number six, we are not as others. The church of Christ is distinct. And so really tonight I want to examine this exhortation, let us not sleep, and see how it applies to your lives today in light of Christ's return. And so the first thing to notice is the context of this exhortation. And the context, of course, is in light, as I said, of the Lord's coming as a thief. Verse number 2, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Now this relates directly to the church in Thessalonica. They have anxiety regarding the Lord's return. Uh, the chapter 4 again deals with the matter of those who have slept before Christ's return. And they're concerned regarding their spiritual well-being. And then one solution may well be, well, we'd be more comforted in the Lord's return if we knew when it was going to happen. But Paul says here, verse number 1, that you are not to know the times and the seasons. 
Again, a similar language, the Lord's words in Acts chapter 1, that it's not given to us as the church to know the time, the precise times of Christ's return. And so the anxiety regarding the Lord's return is, is not really dealt with by knowing the dates. It is dealt with by being ready for that time. That's the point. And he says, he encourages them that though this day will come as a surprise unto destruction for the ungodly, it will not overcome them in that regard. Verse number four, but ye brethren are not in darkness, that the day should overtake you as a thief. It will not overtake us in that regard. Now, that does not mean that we will know the precise timing but the Lord's return will not surprise his people in the sense of them being totally unprepared and coming in a manner that is totally unexpected. The brethren, they know that Christ is coming back. And therefore, when he comes back, we will not be surprised by that event. We know it's going to happen and we will not be unprepared for it. Furthermore, and not only will we not be surprised, we also know that we'll be safe in that day. That's the assurance of the child of God. We understand that in Christ Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation. And so when the judge comes and judges the world, for us it is not unto condemnation. Can't be. It's unto final salvation. So this exhortation, let us not sleep, comes in the context of our knowledge of the Lord's return. He is coming again, says Paul. Therefore, in essence, let us not sleep. Sleep is not the behavior of those who are waiting. If any of you have tried to catch an early morning flight and you know you're leaving first thing in the morning, the one thing you cannot do the night before is sleep. And you're so conscious that you can't sleep through this early flight. You're waiting for it, and you want to make sure that you're alert and ready to get to that flight in time. Of course, in the biblical realm, you think of the soldiers who are responsible to watch the walls of a city. Again, they, they couldn't sleep. Their alertness was required for the safety unless a coming army came and sought to overthrow the city. So again, the picture is of the soldiers watching upon the walls. Or you think of the ten virgins. Again, in Matthew chapter 25, we read, When the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And then when they all returned, there was panic, and those who were not ready, were not prepared, well, they were kept outside of that great feast occasion. And so we see that sleep is not to be the behavior of those that are waiting so we say, we believe in the Lord's return. Therefore, let us not sleep. It's not time for spiritual slumbers. And so perhaps tonight this will just come to as a simple word of exhortation, that you'll be roused perhaps in your spiritual sleep, and you'll be roused to awaken up to spiritual vigilance. Well, may that be the case. Let us not sleep. Christ is coming again. That is the context of the exhortation. The second thing to note, though, is the consistency in the exhortation. You see, Paul's point, and this is so often the case, when Paul comes to deal with the duties of the Christian, or the ethics of the Christian, or dealing with Christian living, he does not say, live this way and show yourself to be a Christian, or live this way and be a Christian. 
but rather consistently Paul says, you are a Christian, therefore live this way. And that order is so very, very important. Again, we shouldn't live our lives like the Romanists or the liberal Protestants, that if I live in a certain way, therefore I will, I will become a Christian and favored in the sight of God. We understand that. But it's also not a good ethic to believe in ourselves, I've been saved by grace, but I've got to prove it by my works. You're not proving your salvation. Rather, God has worked in you, therefore live out who you are. Realize what God has done in your life, and that is then the driving motivation and the enablement for you to live a life pleasing unto God. And we see that here again in this portion. You are a Christian, therefore live who you are. Live consistently. That's the consistency of this exhortation. You see, those who sleep are those who are sleeping in the night. Again, verse number four says, But ye brethren are not in darkness. Ye are the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. Verse 7, For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober. You see what he's saying here? For you to sleep and slumber as a believer is to live inconsistently. You are this, therefore be who you are. You're not of the nights, you're not of the darkness. That's what it is to be a child of God. It's very distinct. We are not like the world. You see, look at verse number five, where it says, Ye are all the children of light. Now, again, that's a, that's a wonderful word there, all. Isn't that joyful? Not just the hyper-spiritual believer, not just the older believer, not just the man, but all, all. Every brother, every sister, you're a child of light because of the word of grace in your life. You see that phrase, this is Paul's use, again, he's in Greek here, of course, in Thessalonians, but he's using what's known as a Hebraism, where he has this idea of drawing from his, his Jewish culture, children of light, children of the day. It's a form he uses regularly. Ephesians chapter 2, the children of disobedience. What it means is that the descriptor is defining and describing who they are. They are marked by disobedience. And so for those who are saved, they're marked by light. The reference to the day there may be an expansion of the idea of light, or it may well be referring to them being children who are dominated by the day of the Lord. Verse number 2, the day of the Lord so cometh. And so these are children who are well, we are the children of the Lord's return. We are those who are convicted and challenged and controlled by the fight of Christ's return. You see, the gospel delivers us from darkness into light. That language is used consistently. Turn back to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and verse number 12. In this prayer, this extended prayer of the apostle, he gives thanks in verse number 12, giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son. We've been rescued. So darkness here describes the ungodly. It describes the devil. 
You see, if you keep a finger in Colossians chapter 1 and go back to Acts chapter 26, and you'll see the parallel there, Acts 26. Again, as Paul describes his testimony and his conversion and then his ministry, Acts 26 verse 18, the Lord tells Paul to minister to the Gentiles and to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the part of Satan unto God's. Satan, darkness, God, light. And the believer, they're not in darkness, they're not in Satan's bondage, they're set free and they enter the light of the glorious gospel of Christ Jesus. You see, we are different. By grace we are rescued from Satan and from darkness. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. First John chapter 1, describing the purity, the work of the Spirit of God in our hearts by regeneration. Regeneration changes us radically. But we don't become less dark, we become light. Such is the radical change in the life of the believer by God's grace when they first come to know the gospel. You see, such a change gives us knowledge. Light speaks of knowledge in the Word of God, true knowledge that comes from God. And see, and by the light of the gospel, by Christ's light in our lives, we understand the world, we understand ourselves and our sin, we understand salvation, we come to see these things. And the God of this world doesn't blind our eyes any longer. And so we come to know these things. We enter communion with God. Again, you turn across to 1 John chapter 1. I've referred to that portion. 1 John chapter 1 refers to this matter of communion with God in light of us being light. 1 John 1 verse 5. And this is the message which you've heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And do know the truth, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. You see how radical this is? We claim the forgiveness, the cleansing of Christ's blood, but in connection with that is the joy that we do not walk in darkness. Hey, when you go through 1 John, he's saying, these are the marks of a true believer. They do walk in the light. Since we walk in the light, as he is in the light. That's the idea. In the sense, there's a distinction between the lost and the saved. We know knowledge, we know communion with God, we fellowship with the Lord, and we know true freedom. I hated darkness. I still don't like darkness. Darkness surrounds you, it restricts you, it leads to fear, uncertainty, the lack of knowledge. Where am I going? What am I going to hit? Who's going to be out there? All of these things that come with fear. But praise God, we're in the light and we are free to serve God without fear. That's the joy of the gospel. We are not in darkness anymore. We are children of light, children of the day. And so Paul's exhortation here, let us not sleep. It's not extraordinary Christian discipleship. It's consistent. By grace we are different. Therefore be different and be content to be different. You know, young people, you cannot have a foot in both camps. You can't dabble in darkness while enjoying light. You're distinct, so be distinct, be different from the world around you. You are delivered. Therefore, live free from the darkness of this world. Why would you dabble and delight in the darkness of this world? You've been set free from it. Let it go out there. You're a child of light, not of darkness. You see, we are driven and we are motivated by this great change that goes wrought in our lives. Therefore, we should not revert to those old patterns. That's the joy of being a child of God. And rather than complaining about our restrictive life, enjoy our freedom. 
and the freedom to serve God for his glory. And so Paul brings his exhortation to them in this, what I've termed this consistent manner, where he simply says, ye are not this, ye are not this, therefore don't be this, and therefore be this. That's in essence what he's saying. He's saying, you're a child of light, therefore be of light, not darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep. The sleep would not be consistent with who you are in Christ Jesus. To, to sleep is not consistent with what God has done in your lives. So that leads to the third thing, and that is the conduct implied in this exhortation. In light of Christ's return, that's the context, he's coming back, therefore be consistent, your child of light, live as such. But then what does that look like in practical terms? Well, remember again the context here, the thief is coming. It's the picture of the Lord coming suddenly. But if I can just take that picture, that metaphor of the thief coming, how does the thief enjoy success? Well, they come in the darkness when they are not seen. And in darkness, normally people are sleeping and therefore they are not heard. So they're not seen, they're not heard. You add to that, and Paul adds to that, the matter of drunkenness. If you're going to be drunken, you're drunk in the nights. Well, if you are... In the darkness, sleeping and drunk, well, you don't see, you don't hear. And let's be honest, even if you do see and do hear, you don't care if you're drunken. You just live a manner of absolute oblivion to the world around your existence. So if that's how the thief knows success, then you get a sense of the opposite in the child of God. If these are the things that mark the world, well, what marks the child of God? Well, there is this matter primarily of alertness. It's the primary thing we should see there, alert. And so the words are used there, verse number six, let us watch and be sober. Watch. And the word watch here is used as an opposite to what we see in verse number three. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, you're not in darkness. It's not going to overtake you. Let us watch. So verse 3, it marks unbelief. And therefore those who are watching are convinced regarding the reality of Christ's return. They live with a constant thought of the Lord's return on their minds. Every day. They live in the recognition that we live as those who are waiting and watching for Christ's return. And this is a very much neglected practice. Many of us, confession time myself, many of us will go through several days without actively thinking about the fact that the Lord is coming back. It's just perhaps not in the very forefront of our minds the way it should be. But here we're seeing the believer, don't sleep, but watch, be alert. Now, when you come to, again, analyze that in, in, in some more detail, this idea of alertness, this idea of a, a belief, a conviction regarding Christ's return, it produces a couple of things. It produces hope, hope. That's 1 John 3. Remember, what are we, what are we watching for? Christ's return. And 1 John 3 describes the Lord returning and we shall see him and be like him. And therefore, those that have that hope, hope, expectation of Christ's return and the Lord making all things right, 
You see, those who watch, they watch in the confidence of Christ's glorious, victorious return. That's the Christian's expectation. This world is so difficult. There are so many challenges, so many things that bring discouragement. But we live in the hope, the expectation. We, we watch for Christ's return. Well, the hope it is. But also for Jesus' holiness. And here, I want to park here just for a couple of moments and see this through the Scriptures. Because this idea of watching is not just a matter of going to a mountaintop and sitting there and having your supplies and waiting and waiting and doing nothing. No, watching in the Bible is a term that denotes a pursuit of godliness, an alertness to pursue those things that please the Lord. And so I'm going to show you that. It's very consistent throughout the Scriptures. Look at Romans chapter 13, first of all. Romans 13. And this, this theme is one of the things that really stands out if you do science. It's a very simple word study on the concept of watching. Romans 13, verse number 12. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envy. And put you on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fill the lusts thereof. You see the language there of waiting, the days at hand. Night is far spent. We're waiting. What's the consequence of that? Well, we're going to put off these works of darkness and put on the armor of light. We're going to live honestly. Not in the wickedness of this world, ratting and drunkenness and all this manner of sin. Not in strife and envy either in the church of Christ, but rather we're going to put on Christ. Then what about 2 Peter chapter 3? 2 Peter chapter 3, again you'll see the language being used here, the similar imagery used. 2 Peter chapter 3 in the verse number 11, in light of Christ's return, Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Again, the context is of Christ coming as a thief in the night. Verse number 10. All things shall be destroyed. What manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. What's the evidence of an alert mind? Spiritual alertness, not spiritual slumber. It is a determination to live a life holy unto God. A life that puts sin to death. It is not consistent for a believer to gladly live in sin, to practice sin, <coughs> if they understand that Christ is coming back. Their holy Lord, who has come back to finally deliver them from sin, that's the second coming. The Lord's final work of salvation, coming and delivering us from the very sin, and we're dabbling in that sin. So we say Christ is coming to redeem us finally, but we're going to keep dabbling in the meantime? That's not consistent. We're expecting Christ's return. So then you look at Re Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3. Revelation 3 and the verse number 2, Be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found thy works perfect before God. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou shalt not watch, 
I will come on thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come upon thee. And what is it to watch in this regard? It is to hold fast and repent of sin. It is to pursue holiness, pursuing godliness to the glory and honor of God. You see a similar thing in chapter 16, verse 15. But finally, please turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. One last reference. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. The verse number 13, again, the parallel post-portions that are used here. Watch ye. Stand fast in the faith. Quit ye like men. Be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. So if we are truly spiritually alert, then we are those who are living in hope and pursuing holiness. Now, of course, in the Bible, this watchfulness always comes with a friend, namely prayer. Watch and pray. And this alertness is an alertness that gets before God, understanding the need for grace if we are to watch. But another area of this alertness is sobriety. Again, you'll see how it's used, it's referred to in those parallel portions, this matter of drunkenness. Again, it's drawing this parallel that if you're drunk, you're drunk in the night, but we're not going to be drunk and we're going to be sober. And by the way, it does mean literally sober. We're not going to be drinking alcohol. We're not going to be smoking dope. We are those who are going to keep our wits about us because the Lord's returning. See, drunkenness has many impacts. Yeah, you lack self-control. But regarding the thief here coming, if we are drunk, we are not aware and we are not being careful. And so this matter of sobriety is a matter of proper responsiveness. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walking about, seeking whom he may devour. That added vigilance, alertness. If you like, it has this idea of living a life of godly seriousness. This life matters. We only do it once. And we are heading towards an eternal state. Christ is coming back again. Doesn't mean we laugh. Doesn't mean we joke with each other. That's not the point at all. But it does indicate that we must embrace the seriousness of the day. The seriousness of coming judgment. And don't waste our lives in the trials of this world. Sober. Don't waste a second. Don't live your life without pursuing the matter of the Lord's glory as we wait his return. Therefore, let us not sleep. Alert and diligent in light of Christ's return. Not slumbering in sin. Not slumbering in spiritual apathy. But watching and praying for the glory of God. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Let the Bible Speak from Malvern Free Presbyterian Church. If you'd like more information about the gospel or the church, please call 610-993-3170 or email malvernfpc at yahoo.com. We extend an invitation to all to join us as we worship the Lord each week. You will be made very welcome. The church is situated at 80 Mallon Road, Malvern, Pennsylvania, at the junction of 401 and Mallon Road. We meet for worship on the Lord's Day at 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. A Bible study and prayer meeting is also held on Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. We preach Christ crucified.